Welcome to Tech Breakfast, today's top headlines served hot by your host Aaron Bewley and Tyler Gates. So grab your coffee and let's get into it. Today is Friday, June 5th. We have no guests. It's just me and you, Tyler. Mono e mano. It's going to be a good day. It's going to be a good day. <laughs> I was like, I know, did we leave already? Because we started off with me so distracted that it took me a second to realize you said my name and started the show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of mano e mano, the Command and Conquer reboot that we've been waiting for is out today. Yes! Are they going to make it uh, available in VR? Because... Um, uh, and, and this is probably just good PSA for everybody listening. Don't talk to David Platt unless you want to end up spending money on VR stuff, uh, because I did, and I'm going to. And I'm kidding, because he's awesome, and I highly suggest it. But, yep, I have opened up the Pandora's box of VR stuff, thanks to uh, uh, David and uh, also Lucas Fig, who had a spare... Uh, Oculus rig laying around and has uh, very generously let me borrow it for an unspecified period of time. So my journey starts there, and I want stuff like Command and Conquer to be part of it because that feels like a merging of timelines, and that would make me happy. Well, welcome to the future of time and space, Tyler. Yes, you have arrived. I've always wanted to be at the future of time <laughs> and space. I'm there now. So it comes it out good. in um, about five hours. It comes out about noon today. Noon Central. Cool. I'm pumped. Where is if, it, uh, uh, it? How are they releasing it? Just broad platform release or specific? Yeah, to... I believe it. It's on Steam, so it's it's developed by EA. Mm-hmm. And, oh, everybody's uh, and I favorite. Know you can go on Steam and, and nobody and get it ever there. criticizes EA. <laughs> I wish they would bring back NCAA football, but I get it. I understand why it's gone. <laughs> Wait. All right. I don't. You might have to educate me on that. Why well, did they, why did they take away a sports game? Aren't those franchises like amazing? Because they, they are amazing, and that's exactly the point. Year. So, yeah. So, um, in uh, in Madden, they can pay the players for appearing and being in the game. In NCAA, you're not allowed to pay college athletes, but yeah, that makes sense. there's there's an argument that NCAA football players, especially, are driving a significant amount of revenue. EA was profiting on that yeah. for free, right? Mm. They couldn't so. even figure out how to like give that profit to the schools and, and build scholarship programs or, or bolster communities. I feel like there are ways they could have dealt with that. And I understand it would have been bristly for, for the players for sure, but it's all EA, right? You could have just yeah. transitioned into the, the NBA version of the game and, and done something cool there. Then again... Let me, let me give you... Let me give you a little bit of comparison, right? So if you, if you take just um, just this game, right, and you say, well, yeah, maybe we can you know, pay for scholarships and stuff. Yeah, that's a good argument. I actually hadn't heard that in terms of having the game exist. They should have talked but to there me. But there was a... Um, I say? So uh, what'd you say? I said they should have talked to me. What can I say? Yeah, exactly. So Oklahoma's uh, quarterback, starting quarterback this fall, who has um, never started a game, they have figured out that, I don't know the math that goes into this, uh, but his his worth, if you were to give him a paycheck for the revenue he drives, is worth about three quarters of a million U.S. dollars. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And and I'm, I'm all <laughs> for 
companies like EA or probably really anyone not profiting off of students in situations like that. But I think it's also pretty naive to pretend like that isn't the entire structure of college sports and and how popular and televised they are, right? Lots of people are making money off those kids already. And it doesn't go back to them or their families or or anything, which is, I I mean, that's a a problem, I think. But yeah. And they can't even sell, so the jerseys, they can't yeah. even sell the jerseys with their names on the back until after they've graduated. Right. So you can just go buy a number seven or a number, you know, 88 or whatever it is that you want to get. Um, but they, they can't actually legally license, license them with their name on the back because they can't pay the player sure. for that. Which, I mean, I, I, I think it's good that they're at least pretending to be respectful of the fact that that money isn't going to go to the kids. So they're not... <laughs> They're not doing it. I, I say that because really, I think yeah. there are a lot of criticisms about who's profiting from college sports programs, and it, it's definitely not the students and their families, right? So yeah, it, it just shutting down one avenue in an EA game, uh, it on the surface that might sound like somebody made the right call for the families, but I sure. <laughs> I think the entire industry is basically structured around profiting off of them. So. Nice, nice gesture. All right, uh, so let's let's uh, let me give you some of the new and remastered features on the Command and Conquer that is dropping today. Uh, so you can switch back and forth in the graphics oh, cool. real time yeah. between the legacy and the remastered 4K version. Nice. Thought that was pretty cool. Uh, they remastered a bunch of the music tracks, but even still, you have a jukebox that kind of looks like Winamp that you can go and customize your own soundtrack. Was it built on Winamp uh, with playlist support cool. and all that kind of stuff? Yeah. <laughs> Man, I loved Winamp. I still um, use it. There's... I'm not going to pretend like that doesn't come into my life once in a while. Usually for weird yeah, stuff, but... Enhanced sidebar UI, um, custom game lobbies, all that kind of stuff. You can play with friends online, so... It's going to be cool. That is cool. All right. I'll have to, I'll have to kick Look. the tires on. I'll have to make some time for it. Yeah, man. While I wait for... Yeah, we VR have to play with to Mike Rhodes. Up, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> We got to play with Mike Rhodes. I know he uh, he requested it, and I think uh, Kieran in Australia. Nice. So we got somebody in the UK. Yeah, yeah. In but then everybody will find out that just because I'm an enthusiast, it doesn't mean I'm any good at it. That's oh, going to be embarrassing. At it. <laughs> All right. Next bit of news. Uh, I, I thought this this uh, title was pretty funny. Google deletes Indian app that deletes China. Or China, excuse me. Ugh, let me start over. Google deletes Indian app that deleted Chinese apps. That's awesome. So, I saw you drop that yeah. in the notes. I did not get a chance to read it, but that just the title alone is laughable. Yeah, there's a uh, there's an app um, created by Indian India-based OneTouch uh, App Labs, and apparently it'll scan Android phones. It's Android only, so win for you. Yeah, it's uh, always <laughs> so. Yeah, it uses uh, some market research to determine which apps are uh, developed or connected to um, any sort of Chinese companies or or the state and all that. And it would delete uh, TikTok, UC Browser, Zoom, et cetera, in some of the demos that they've showed. That's really funny. And then after deleting the app, it says, this little pop-up comes up and says, you are awesome. (laughs) I was like, what? Uh, That's great. Within, uh, it says within the first 10 days of launching, it had 1 million downloads. Holy cow. Yeah. Does that tell you something about the state of uh, relations with Chinese apps? Yeah. Uh, well, and I mean, I, I see 
especially on Reddit and other, um, I guess, at least the tech slanted parts of the those sort of social platforms, right? Um, there's a lot of people criticizing TikTok and just kind of already predicting that it's going to look a lot like Vine did when Vine was a thing, and um, and then of course the there's a big criticism that it's that it's a Chinese owned app, um, and I'm I'm sure that a lot of that is slanting towards the security side, which I think is an interesting issue, right? Because I, I don't know that people trust, you know, the Google and Apple apps that much either. Um, but mm-hmm. China even less so, which which I find interesting. Yeah. Because if you're not in China or you're not a Chinese citizen, I don't feel like China's reckless care for your data is any better or worse than <laughs> an American company's. It sounds terrible out loud because I think we, we oh, all know how saying. aggressive China has been and will be when it comes to personal data and, and censorship and stuff like that. And I think there are rightful criticisms of that behavior. But the idea that because you download TikTok, you're somehow giving something to China that Google likely already didn't is kind of funny. Yeah. Yeah. It was fun. That reminds me of that um, that face aging app yeah. that everyone had and was taking pictures of, and it was uh, Russia owned and developed. And it was like, good job, sheeple, taking pictures and yep. uploading you know your faces to Russian servers. It's like, yeah, okay, yeah, right. right. My face is like you can just go to Google and search my and name, my face. And there's my face. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but then uh, again, you you also lent them the compute of your phone to do whatever analysis they wanted to do. So you made it easier. Th- but... That's, that's <laughs> yeah, maybe true. <laughs> uh, okay, what you want to talk about? One? Yeah, let's see. I um, crazy I, I saw a fun one. Okay. Uh, it was a bit of trivia now, but um, what would you guess is the fastest sub-supersonic aircraft in the world today? And I'll go ahead and answer for you if you didn't see the show notes. The, it's a the fastest, the fastest sub-supersonic, so sub, not a supersonic aircraft. Sub-supersonic. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Uh, well, that seems weird. It's like, who's the fastest Yeah, well, well, yes, right? But, uh, I mean, <laughs> what's the point of saying what's the fastest aircraft? I mean, this is a passenger yeah. aircraft, and I believe there are still record holders from, uh, you know, a specialty-designed aircraft that didn't last because of, you know, safety and, and track record, stuff like that. Um, I, for one, am looking forward to the next generation of supersonic uh, passenger aircraft, by the way. Uh, I hope I hope they yeah. solve some of those problems elegantly. I see little bits about that every once in a while, but I, it sounds like we're pretty far off still. What's the problem with supersonic passenger? Uh, well, there, there are issues that you have to deal with. One, efficiency is par- part of it. Um, but you, you think oh, any okay. any aircraft that's going to accelerate that quickly inherently has to deal with higher levels, levels of stress and things like that. Um, sound is a big problem, right? So uh, aircraft that are going that quickly can't go that quickly or they have to be uh, designed in such a way that they kind of fly like a normal passenger aircraft when they're close to cities and things like that. Sonic booms are not very friendly mm-hmm. to the, your neighborhoods. Um, yeah, but I'm imagining like once you're yeah. at altitude, you know, you're you're at forty thousand feet. Um, 
you're flying in the next layer yeah, of atmosphere. Yeah, what's, what's the big problem? Why does that matter? I mean, do, do sonic booms, I mean, I don't know how far this. No, no, no. I, I don't think once they're up travel. that high or, or that far away, or, you know, you think one of the most common use cases is something like a transatlantic fight. Or uh, over the ocean. And, and, and or going to yeah. distant places, but where most of that flight or a good part of that flight isn't even over inhabited land, right? Um, I, I, I don't actually remember all of the issues that they've run into but i think i think supersonic flight in general just introduces additional complexity right and it, and it all boils down to is the juice worth the squeeze if you will so if it costs 10 times as much to develop an aircraft that gets you across the atlantic in an x in an hour faster or something like that or three hours even cut it in half is there enough business that's going to pay for it effectively to cover that expense so they have to they have to balance developing what they need to to make sure that it's safe and uh, what I'm blanking on the name of the, the aircraft everyone is probably familiar with, but it, it was the Concorde. Remember the Concorde? Um, oh, yeah. They, they solved a lot of the problems in, like, how do you build the aircraft, fly it, how many passengers you can fit in, and stuff like that. But ultimately, it ended up being – it had a terrible track record for safety. Uh, I forget exactly how much more likely it was to crash and burn, but it was significantly more than other platforms. And so a lot of specialized hmm. – uh, you know, engineering went into it, and ultimately it failed. So, uh, I, I'm sure it's an economic question more than a scientific one, because obviously military aircraft and stuff like that fly supersonic all the time. Um, then again, they aren't cargo yeah. aircraft either. So I don't know. Uh, I have to look into it. Yeah. And and for those curious, if you're inside the airplane and you break the sound barrier, you see and feel yeah. nothing. Your gauges move a little bit because of the uh, the pico tube. And the, the adjustment in sound pressure and all that kind of stuff, but nothing happens. You don't you don't hear a boom yep, inside the plane. You're moving too fast. So, yeah, you're moving too exactly. Yeah, no, that, that's cool. That's uh, I, I mean, I would love it. Uh, even just to get the experience, right? Um, I, I've worked on a lot of aircraft that are designed to fly at supersonic speeds, but I'm not likely to get to experience that unless a passenger aircraft is released and in regular use, right? I know, right? We'll get you up there. Oh, so you were saying there's yeah. there, there's a flight so that so broke, broke a record. record. Um, so the answer to the question is it's a 747, which is pretty impressive for an aircraft that's been in service for 50 years, uh, but it's not necessarily for reasons you'd expect. Apparently, uh, a storm uh, Chiara, which is currently going on in in the Atlantic, uh, basically gave a flight from JFK to uh, London Heathrow Airport. Um, extraordinary backwinds, and they were able to traverse that uh, route in less than five hours, four hours and 56 minutes, which is pretty cool. Yeah, oh, really that's cool. interesting. You no, know, we, we often take advantage of jet stream and yeah, stuff like if that. You have but, tailwinds. Uh, it literally got pushed across yeah. the Atlantic faster. <laughs> that's crazy because the, the, um, the sound barrier is going to be uh, affected by that. Um, I, no, it shouldn't be. Uh, I'm sure that there are uh, issues you run into when there's inclement conditions but because it's a sub supersonic aircraft it, it would literally just be it was that much easier for it to move forward so it's possible that they got um additional oh, thrust out of the engines more likely that they just uh they just had so much push coming from the natural air pressure I, and i assume the, the article i read didn't actually have a lot of detail it'd be fun to actually read an analysis about it um but uh, i would expect it was just really advantageous uh wind yeah. All right. Let me hit you with uh, this crazy um, microscope news here. And then I just found another one about 
well, whatever, we'll get to that in a second, but uh, groundbreaking Israeli microscope can change the face of tech. Cool. This one had my, uh, had my attention here, but apparently Israeli scientists say they've developed a quantum electron microscope that gives the clearest picture ever produced by light moving That's inside cool. of materials. And yeah, what was crazy. So if you think about, um, so it says now they can see where current That's is going, fascinating. where light is moving, how temperature evolves. Yeah. And before the show, Tyler and I were talking about this for a minute and there was a comparison um, between taking photos and when, when we developed the capability of moving picture, right? I was like, okay, well, that seems like a, an odd example. And Tyler was like, yeah, I think because we've already been able to do electron microscope video and you're right. They were saying though, it's yeah, very right. slow. And I was like, I wonder <laughs> it's what probably that means. That frames like per one, second. Yeah. one frame every couple of seconds. Yeah. It says, it says a hundred frames. Oh, wow. a second well, I believe slow. that now they're doing million, wow. million, billion frames a second. Yeah. Well, especially frames a second when you're thinking about what an, a scanning to watch light microscope move. is doing, right? <laughs> like the only way we can use that, you think, think how small an atom is or a molecule. So molecules being much larger than atoms, atoms being the building block pieces of a molecule. Some of those atoms being considerably larger than other ones, you know, as you look through the periodic table, it's literally a collection of your proton neutron and then sort of the electron shield, right? Um, the scanning electron microscopes are just bombarding physical things um, with electrons, and then the electrons yeah. are bouncing back, being um, sensed as a result of hitting them with electrons. Uh, being able to see that happen in real time, I mean, just think about the physical limitation think about how small the scale is at what do you use to measure something that small and, and you just can't like watching yeah. electrons bounce off of something isn't really something we can do or not, not well not easily right because you need something smaller right. than a, an yeah. electron so that's that's really cool yeah i i would love to understand how they do it so it looks like they're already yeah um, it said they're already in talks with Intel to uh, enable them on sure. you know, new silicon. I, I imagine uh, is chips, a, so. a I, well, not not even imagine. I know they use um, electron microscopes or scanning electron microscopes a lot in silicon development. Um, so I, I wonder. I, now I I want to click that link. I want to go through and actually look at it and see what else I can find because it'd be really neat to see when they say we can see current going through. Um, you know, like uh, some really tiny electronics or, or through medium, whatever it is, right? Like, I don't, I can't even imagine what that looks like. I kind of, I really want to know. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, this next one is going to get you into like string theory. So hang with me and just <laughs> for just a second. Uh, you Vaguely, string theory uh, we from, didn't from get studies? into it. So the, as a, since I, kind of dumped physics at a bachelor's level um we touched on it but you don't really get into computational string theory or anything like that um it's way way yeah. more advanced than quantum and stuff like that that you might study at a bachelor's level so uh this article says a levitated timepiece sets a new benchmark right so they're referring to this cool. kind of as a new mechanical clock uh international team of researchers led by scientists at the university of St. Andrews, which could test nice. the fundamental physics of gravity. 
So it goes on, it says the levitated mechanical oscillator created within a glass sphere the size of a single blood cell was, was manipulated by light and the team and by light by the team to create an ultra sensitive sensor, which could measure temperature and That's pressure insane. changes at the nano. That's insane. And it could potentially, yeah, it could potentially detect gravity at smaller scales than previously possible and find potential evidence for deviations from Newton's laws of gravity calling for new physics. That's really cool. Beyond what we currently understand. Yeah, no, I, and <laughs> even, even as somebody that used to study some of that stuff, I find that the research we're doing now is so far ahead of what I even got into years ago when I studied this stuff, right? But even the work that they're doing at CERN um, and, and doing with some of the, uh, I remember, forget the name now, but the basically the gravitational, um, or I think they still refer to them as telescopes, but they're, you know, they're arrays and they're designed to pick up uh, like um, major gravitational events in distant parts of space, stuff like that. The, sure. the way that they're putting that um, together and the, the incredible precision that they're able to measure is, is mind-bogglingly impressive. That's, that's neat stuff. Yeah. This, in, this is wild. Forever in yeah. pursuit of... <laughs> the, the article goes on to talk about... A, a yeah, it makes me want to go re-dig re back into check it. Check that too, out. It's at... I, know, uh... um, I think... Is CERN, is CERN down right now for an upgrade? I, should, I feel like I should know that. Um, I, they do that often, right? I don't They'll know. retool it. Um... Yeah, yeah, right. It's just part of down detector. No, <laughs> um, but they'll they'll take the uh, the experimental side, uh, probably not of the whole facility. I'm realizing CERN and the the particle accelerator is over a massive, massive area, but uh, they'll take down stuff like the Atlas sensors and things like that to upgrade them um, as physics and and the technology to measure it improves. I'd be curious if they're they're taking it down now to yeah. get uh, closer, more accurate, better um, measurements of, of some of the major findings they've been doing, right? So, yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of crazy <laughs> stuff we're talking about this morning. I, I promise I'll drop all the links in uh, the anchor.fm uh, show notes. So Yeah, I got I to read go back up. I, haven't, I have been uh, chasing more um, hands-on technology because of employment stuff and... Uh, and things like that than I have been chasing my yeah. my physics lately. So I'm I'm out of the loop, I feel. It saddens me. I'll have to fix that. Uh, oh, so I else? saw a neat what, what article. We've find? talked a lot about smart glasses and augmented reality in general, right? Um, but it was it, something I hadn't actually considered uh, closely, or at least in detail. It made kind of perfect sense when I read through it, but it was talking about the emergence of smart glasses will also lead to the emergence of what they called pop-up commerce. So you'll, you'll be able to, um, as advancements come in sort of consumer grade wearables and you get the sort of computational capability and the interaction through those devices, um, to, to interact with, uh, an augmented sort of, environment, then you'll see basically digital stores that don't exist pulling up to sort of deal with or manipulate stuff that isn't there. And and I think we, we think about that all the time, but 
I never considered okay. somebody might actually just code yeah. a store into existence so you go through and mess around with toys <laughs> before you, you know, hit a link well, and bought it. What if it only yeah, what if it only existed? Yeah, only well existed and, and I think that's that's that exactly where this stuff goes, right? You talk about targeted advertising. <laughs> yeah. You see people interacting with stuff, even if you have the equipment Dang, you might not crazy. be able to see, right? It's crazy. Yeah. When I clicked the link that you dropped in there mm -hmm. about augmented reality coming to cars and it's different. No, the, so the, Oh, the, is that not related? I thought you were talking yeah, about, yeah, yeah. They were different. Oh, I that's found, a, that's a I found thing. Too, the AI coming to cars is really cool. Cause I, I think that one, at least for me and, and in that article specifically, it talked about the F 35, uh, head mounted display. Right. And, and of course it talks about the fact that for those of you who don't know, there was a huge development effort around the helmet for pilots that are piloting F-35s. And it was designed in conjunction with equipment all, all over the aircraft so that a pilot could see, you know, quote unquote, through any part of the, the plane. So if you're in the cockpit and you're wearing the head-mounted display, you've got a glass oh, bubble yeah. sort of like a traditional cockpit would have, but the visibility for a pilot is limited in that case. So the head-mounted display... Um, is actually designed so that if a pilot looked straight down, they can see through the bottom of the aircraft. And if they turn directly behind them, they can see, you know, effectively behind them. I, if I remember correctly, there are some limitations, but effectively That's it's so a wild. 360 degree sphere that where they can physically view. And if you imagine like, especially in military applications, the, we, we can fly planes without humans, you know, Very important. you have drones, you can do these things, you can do a lot of remote operation, but yeah. Uh, one of the most important things for a pilot is to collect information we have not designed machines to do collect yet. And and it's not as trivial as saying, well, I want to see stuff, so I'm going to go code that into an algorithm. No, that's it. Pilots are uniquely good at human information gathering. So the more they can see, the the better off you are. And that's why there was a huge effort there. Those head-mounted displays are, are hundreds of thousands of dollars, though. So this is not technology that's going to come to your motorcycle helmets, right? Um, at least not not broadly speaking. But sure. augmented reality and the ability to have more information provided directly to drivers, I think most people can understand why that would be beneficial. Think about fog or sudden onset of major rain, knowing where vehicles are because sensors that can deal with that better than even the human eye would be pretty phenomenal. But there are also some very real safety concerns. And if it's not like a heads-up display, something that's integrated into the windshield, and even if it were, um, drivers very easily get distracted. And distracted driving is very bad. So um, yeah. it was kind of interesting. And that's what the article is sort of talking about. Is it's talking about it, this technology is, is really going to be a weird balance between good and better and safer and just terrible because humans are bad at, at multitasking. And uh, the one thing that I was really sad about was that it basically said yeah. that the rudimentary tech for that isn't expected to really be in place for another five to 10 years. And I was like, oh, <laughs> I thought we were closer. I'm not going to lie. Dang. Well, the basic uh, little at the top of that article, the little screen that looks like a video game experience, right, right where you have giant blue arrows saying, you know, turn here, turn here. <laughs> but I didn't even think about the, the, you know, concept of having a kind of a heads up helmet sort of a deal where you can see through the car and all that. Like that, cool. that technology is on uh, my truck. Yeah, right? that's where I can cool. get that that drone view, not not the heads up display yeah. thing, but the, but the drone view, right, where I can 
click the little sure. button and you know see it's really how close neat. I am to something off the front of the bumper or back or whatever. Like if my dog is running up on the truck or something. Yeah, and, and I, I think I think that where, stuff is going to move really at, fast. So. Uh, once, once anyway, kind of get through, and I'm sure some of it's regulatory hurdles, right? It's it's a uh, yeah. You got to maintain a safety baseline. If it's not better than today from a safety perspective it's very unlikely to be injected into vehicles but who knows maybe one of the things that will accelerate that sort of technology technology adoption is uh, automated vehicles closer and closer we get to uh, the vehicles not having to need a human to do a lot of the driving tasks means that it opens up what you can do from a visibility and, and a human pilot perspective i think so that'd be cool yeah yeah Awesome, man. Well, I think uh, we're at the end of our time here. Uh, one last little thing. Stra Apparently, delicious. there's going to be a full strawberry moon tonight. Yeah. Apparently, when um, when the cool. moon is just off the horizon, it will have a strawberry color. And it coincides with a penumbral lunar eclipse, which just huh. basically means like it's, it's going to be a slight penumbral. dimming of the middle. Not so, a, not a full. Do we call eclipse. full lunar eclipses umbral? Anyway, lunar that's eclipses? that. That's I think that's the first time I've seen that term. <laughs> Andy, I mean, you think I'm sure pen is probably Latin, right? I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong, right? I, I'm not a linguist, but penultimate would be before the ultimate, correct? So penumbral would be next. Is, do we call them yeah. umbral yeah. eclipses? Like, is that and it, is it is it like an umbrella? Now I'm super curious. A linguist needs to join us. Let's do this. Where's, where's I, I don't know what you're saying now. <laughs> All, right, All right, everybody. Shut it down. That brings go. another Tech Breakfast podcast to a close today. Um, thank you for joining us. This week has been uh, full of lots of interesting things, and um, I know everyone's dealing with lots of different stuff out there, and uh, uh, we we stand behind that but decided to keep doing our podcast Um just to inject some normalcy into it, and and don't get me wrong, I, we're not we're not trying to be tone deaf by just marching on with our lives. Uh, we we definitely support the Black Lives Matter movement, and um, I, I think it's really important that social discourse continues. We don't want to get in the way of that, but we're really glad that you joined us for some tech news this morning. And if there's anything that we missed, as always. If you'd like to join us on the show to talk about just about anything, but especially tech news, hit us up on LinkedIn, hit us up on Twitter. Join us next week. Have a great weekend. Cheers, everybody. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye.